I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Encarta on hip hop on Amazon Twitter. Use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. I'm Dread to the fifth element. We'll highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. Here comes Benny Rich in his white limousine. Have you ever ridden a limousine? Yes, I did. When um, oh, have you? We went to our formal in year 12, I think it was. It wasn't very exciting. It wasn't that great, to be honest. But you call it your formal? Yeah, we call it our formal. I don't know what other places in the world call it. Uh, we're we're Maribus, so we called it prom. And I don't know why Ugh. we did. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it's just cringe. Hella cringe. Um, same, way, same thing as Halloween. Hi, Ben. How's your week been? What have you listened to this week? So I did actually listen to some projects this week in uh, contrast to last week where I didn't listen to a single thing, but I didn't listen to too many. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nappy High dropped and Charlie's very excited for me to talk about Nappy High. And uh, it's brilliant, man. It's brilliant. I, I really fucking enjoyed it. It's just chill. It's a warm vibe. Some great little jazz stretches in there. The the little jazz like interlude after the Benny track, I, I love that man. It was nice, just a warm listen. It's very solid. Um, definitely gonna be tapping into more Nappy High in the next uh, the next couple of years. Uh, JPEG Mafia dropped under Devin Hendrix, I think was the name, and uh, it's very long. It's like two hours, and apparently it's a lost project. I'm not aware of it. I'm not the biggest uh, like I don't know Peggy Law that well, so. But it's it's an interesting project. There's a lot of like nice ambient stretches. When I was first spinning it, I was obviously trying to find something to put on the playlist, and there was nothing. Uh, like these two hours and like 40, 35 songs or something. So I'm just going through. I'm like, oh, I'm never gonna find anything. It was really frustrating me. And I was like, why am I doing this? Let's just listen to the album and see if I enjoy it. And I did. I enjoyed it a lot. I put it on while I was uh, working that night, and yeah, it was it was chill. It was nice. Um, yeah, so it's definitely different from his recent output definitely different from scaring the hose but yeah it was good it just shows his range as an artist and i i'm very curious to see where he does go as his career progresses because he's clearly very capable of making so many different types of music adeptly i mean he does it pretty much he does it like in four times in one song like it's just what he does so yeah i'm interested to see where he goes uh as his career progresses um kill owen who I discovered during Sap, I didn't discover him. He already existed. It's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to name him after me. He, he already existed. But I saw him at South by Southwest and it was mad chill. Like it was a Friday night and just came up and he had like the, the wraparound tiny little sunnies on. He had like the baggiest jeans I've seen since 2001. And just like beautifully silky smooth vocals over just straight up garage instrumentals and like really thought-provoking lyrics like everyone in there was just vibing there were people that were vibing on different levels only like 20 people in the room i felt like everyone was vibing it to it to it on different level like some people were just dancing some people you could see they were listening to the lyrics and they were nodding their heads some people were watching him really closely because he was a very interesting person when he moved around the stage and this album is really freaking good. I enjoyed it a lot. It is just like, 
man, he's a breath of fresh air. He starts off with an autobiographical track, as is the the way in UK rap that I fucking love. And it just goes in all these different directions. There's a um, a, a sample and a sped up sample of uh, One Thing by Miri, which threw me straight the fuck back. I was like, this man knows what he's talking about. This was a pivotal song and music video for many of us in our mid-30s. It was a very important time for us, that song. Uh, but, you know, that was my least favorite track on the album. I did not enjoy that track very much. The rest of it is yeah, it's brilliant, man. It's very smooth. I, uh, I fully recommend checking that out. It's a nice vibe. Ace Hood dropped. I uh, wasn't really sure what to expect. His output has been... It's been very varied with varying degrees of success. And I think the same on this project. You know, the, the straight rap tracks are really fucking good. Um, there's a couple of Afrobeat songs that are really, really good as well. I, I enjoy when he goes into that place. Uh, but when he gets into a more an R&B singing type place, it's just it's not really for me. So this is a bit up and down, and I kind of expected that. I wasn't 100% sure what the album would sound like, but I did expect it to be inconsistent, and it was, unfortunately. Uh, DJ Hopper dropped. Um, and yeah, man, some it's a weird track list. There's some odd features on here. Some of them, Logic was great. I thought his feature was incredible. Um, the rest, man, this is like, it just kind of drifted a little bit, the album. I, I didn't really enjoy it that much. The beats were okay, but they weren't, you know, crazy hard-hitting 90s boom bap, What which is kind of what I was expecting. And yeah, there's some tracks in the middle where they just really lull. Uh, there's some MCs that I would consider to be a bit on the lower tier side in terms of bars and yeah it's just it's man yeah, it, it was a bit disappointing that project um Cass is dead now this um is fucking immense it is immense like there are stretches on here that bro I was certain that these instrumentals from Stranger Things or like you know it was just that 80s pastiche about it you know it reminded me of uh Night Call by Kavinsky or something crazy like that the lyrics, the lyrics are wild. I had to go and do some research on him after I was listening to the lyrics because, firstly, they're very poetic, uh, very eloquent man, very gets his point across very, very well. He just kind of sounds a bit like a drunken poet, and it's is brilliant. You know, he really doesn't pull any punches on here. He says some wild shit on this album, but it's not like I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's just it's the instrumentals are still warm. They're still enjoyable. They're still like it's not you know it doesn't make you feel cold or emotionless or i don't know it's just a very weird mix but it works really fucking well i enjoyed it immensely it's the first time i've ever listened to him and uh yeah i fully recommend people checking that out uh dj shadow dropped a project i forgot that he dropped this project and as charlie said charlie was like i'm not really sure what to expect i wasn't really sure what to expect and i didn't expect that i'm not i need to do some research on this album because i don't understand it like I don't get it. Are these are these meant to sound like this? It's just like everything feels like it's been completely stripped back to the basic, basic beginning of an idea of a beat or a song, and then you just put them out, but not in a good way, not in a way of like, I don't know, it's really disappointing. It genuinely sounds like some of the stuff I was making in 2008 on Fruity Loops. It's just is not very good. I'm not sure what happened. I need to do some research on that. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, I think that was it. Shabazz Palace has dropped. I didn't listen to it fully through yet. Um, yeah, that was that was about it. What about yourself, Charlie? Okay, yeah, so I'm going to turn um, 15 overall, actually. So 
Let's make haste. <laughs> uh, I'm going for a run. Feet. I'll be back. Yeah, no, <coughs> yeah, go for a little jog. Um, take a lap. Uh, clothe the gods in one one word. Uh, nearly straight. Weird little EP this one because um, I like the you know first three tracks. Camille, bless your heart. U G O M D N, which is you get on my damnness. And then it just goes into this like electronic thing going happening, and I was just like, oh. Okay, this is different because I was really into the first three tracks, which was just like some nice contemporary R and B, really vibing with it, and then it just completely goes left, and I'm just like, okay, don't know about this <laughs> this change, um, but yeah, when it's when it's good, it's good, and uh, when it changes, it changes. Um, I'll stick it at that. Um, Little Black Kids, which is the duo of George Ann Muldrow and Keith Rice. Uh, Planet of the Blues Part 2, so obviously that was Part 1, um, I think from two years ago, ooh, 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 maybe, ooh, ooh. Um, yeah, well, 2022, there you go, and that was the little EP, and this one's kind of the same, um, starts off kind of, um, kind of rocky, in, in, uh, and I mean just genre-wise, not, um, it's, you know, it's uh, terrain, but um, yeah, it kind of goes that, and then it softens up um, as it goes, and uh I feel like they get into a pocket nicely, a little bit way, a little bit in the way through. So um, yeah, it's a really interesting project, and uh, always here for some George Ann Muldrow. Uh, Dirty needles, needles. Uh, happy accident. Really enjoy this dude. Um, just, <laughs> just this dude that just raps uh, now and again. He, t- he just references games and shit a lot of the time. Um, I love Clubber Lang, which is just a really good. Uh, uh, I guess. Uh, uh, impersonation, you know, rap-wise of Club and Lang, obviously Mr. T's character in uh, Rocky, forget which number it is, and um, yeah, it's just, it's really solid. Um, yeah, it's, it's one called "If I Could Afford a Ninth Wonder Beat." So you know, he's very self-deprecating, a little bit of humor in there, um, but he can rap. He can rap, man. He's got some bars in there. It's real good, good stuff all over. Shout to Dirty Needles. Uh, what else are we? God, Jesus Christ, so many, so many, so many, so many. Uh, what is next? Uh, Junk Heart in Gloom. Okay, so I went to um, I went to a show. Um, shout out to a friend of Ivy Echoes, um, who who had her first, I think it was her first headline show at the Grace um, in Islington. Um, went there a few days ago. And uh, one of the supporting acts was um, Junk Heart, um, in, uh, which um, is who I'm talking about, and uh, yeah, he's just this dude, and he comes through with like this yellow jacket, and looks sick, and he's got this like, um, he's got some pedals, and he's got like, he's got like a, a, a keyboard, and he's got guitar sitting on him, and yeah, he's just banging out this one man band kind of thing, and uh, this, pro- and I was like, yeah, this is cool, and then I went to this as a project, and I actually really enjoyed the project. Um, uh, it's not the only project this week um, that uh, goes back to the eighties in terms of uh, tone. Um, this one has a really synthy, synth-laden um, kind of mini story going on. There's really a concept here, you know what I mean? It feels like a coming-of-age um, cyberpunk thing going on, and uh, I really enjoy. I really dig it. I really, really dig it. Black and Blue is really good. Tempest at the end is really, really good. Um, there's just some really good tracks over here, and uh, I'm really enjoying the uh, the 80s pastiche uh, trend that people are going for, and uh, I think a lot of people are nailing it, and uh, Junkart is no different, shout out to him. Um, second exit, 
um, and imaginary friend uh, with all out. Um, so second exit um, is the group of Alpha Mist, and I forget other dude's name. Apologies, um, and imaginary friend who I actually have no idea who he is either. Um, but yeah, this comes through as a very a very hip hop oriented project. Um, I'm a fan of Alpha Mist, and his most recent work is uh, you know a lot of jazz. Um, but second exit is a is a duo that he's been in before and has dropped and has dropped work through before. And um, the previous project uh, they had, I think it was just called Second Exit, actually. Um, yeah, in 2016 uh, was um, a really just really good hip hop project um, from back then. Um, might actually bring in for contemporary call one day. And um, yeah, I just really, I just really rate their work. Um, I really rate Alpha Miss as an artist. And uh, who's the other dude? Let me find this right. Here you go, Lester Duval. There you go. Um, and yeah, so they they just come through doing this duo project, and it's just <laughs> it's just fucking sick, man. It's just really good shit. Um, really good tracks. Uh, imaginary friend. Here we go. I'm looking. Okay, he has no bio. Um, so yeah, he's there as well. And they're all rapping, and it's just uh, yeah, it's just a really good, uh, really fun time. 18 minutes, five songs. Have a ball, have a ball indeed. Uh, Kilo in pub therapy. Um, the the one is he white? Is, I'm assuming he's white, right? Um, he's white. So yeah, I rarely listen to a white dude when someone recommends. Uh, when, well, actually, I rarely listen to a white dude when they're charting. I'm just like, I just, I just, my eyebrow raises. I'm just like, mm, uh, mm, why is that? Mm. Um, is he actually good? You know, what I mean, it's the question I ask. And uh, Ben put me on. He was like, it's really good, really good, you like it? And I'm like, all right, cool, all right, I'll give it a spin. I'll, I'll take your recommendation. And uh, I enjoyed it. It was really good. Um, really classic uh, throwback vibes, you know, hopping into like, uh, I think he mentions, um, I think he like mentions the likes of Kleshnikov as well um, at one point. He's like shouts to them, uh, kind of like uh, people that set, people that have that carry this sound as well. Um, and he just and then he just goes, but I'm I'm different, right? And that's cool. Um, I actually I I don't mind one thing. Um, it kind of reminded me of um all the tracks that have been charting over the past few years, like the like the H Machanti um, track uh, from way back, and uh, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. But I didn't mind it overall. But um, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's going around the same formula. Um, but yeah, but then it gets a good, really good shit, like Sober, really enjoyed Sober, um, Holding On, uh, the Butterfly Effect in the end, um, yeah, it's just a really good little project here, man, um, 23 minutes, so I'm going to consider that an EP, and, um, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these projects, man, are really hitting, um, recently, so, um, my EP list, um, is going to be a very, very hard one to, uh, to, to do, um, because there's been some really good stuff dropping, um, speaking of, um, Jay Gray with two R's, um, if not now, um, apparently she uh, supported uh, Billie Eilish um, a while back. So um, if that gives you an indication of what her vibe is, um, there you go. But yeah, um, I really like her stuff, man. Um, it's really good stuff on here. Uh, eight tracks uh, and has a zombie juice and uh, Koji Radical um, on the on the on the features as well. So there's some good variety and um, really enjoyed the work. And I really love the artwork. The artwork is boss. Um, Andrew Mbaruk, uh, spelled M-B-A-R-U-K, Mbaruk, uh, Black Squirrel, a memoir. Um, I dare you to listen to this um, and try and think of someone who sounds like this dude. Um, he, he's, he sounds like... I, I, I can't describe it. It's like it's got this really weird inflection and he's doing it all in spoken word 
and <laughs> I don't know. It reminds me of that um that TikTok voice that you hear um where like they're just they're just dropping facts and it's like thirteen facts about this. And while you're watching this, you're going to be watching some oddly satisfying videos of of Jelly going through shit and stuff like that. That's what he sounds like in some way. But I, even with that, I don't think it's a good comparison. But honestly, fucking hell, um, there is some weird, weird uh, uh, topics talked about here, weird subject matter. But damn, that voice is so weird, so fascinating. And uh, I really like the track hip hop. He really mentioned, puts in effort to mention a lot of like hip hop acts in some ways and try and puts it together. It's kind of interesting on that front. But yeah, there's just some, there's some weird shit on here, and uh, the uh, production's kind of mellow ish right and it sets a nice tone um but then his voice comes in and it just it's just really jarring <laughs> it's really jarring there's, there's not much harmony in it you know what i mean uh it's very arresting in some ways uh but yeah shout out to him on that front very interesting project uh p-r-l-l uh, p-r-a-l-l-e-l uh movement uh speaking of um tracks that kind of just um go into, you know, interpolate other tracks. Uh, in the middle here, we have uh, Super Stylin, which is obviously um, off the Groove Armada track, and obviously a Destination mm-hmm. Unknown, which I forgot the who made that track previously. Uh, maybe Benny Benassi? I forget. But, um, you know, classic track. Trumpet? Yeah. Timmy Trumpet? Yeah. Destination Unknown. It's, just, it's about <laughs> classic. <laughs> One of the greatest <laughs> film clips in human <laughs> history if you've never watched that clip, make sure you're over 18. Go watch the clip. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, but yeah, uh, really good stuff on here. Um, it's a London thing. Really bang a track. And yeah, man, just just some oonts. If you want some oonts, go for this, man. P-R-L-L. Shout out to P-R-L-L. Always banging out the tunes. Uh, who else have we got? Damn. Uh, V-Knuckles and Phonics, uh, the next chapter. This is actually the first time I've listened to v- V-Knuckles um, on Wax. Um, I love me some Phonics, um, one of my favorite producers. Um, always producing just uh, some really solid samples of clean hip-hop beats. Um, shout out to Don't Sleep and shout out to a friend of 5EA1 as well. Great features on here. Spectre Deck, Terminology, Edo G, uh, aforementioned A1, um, Tom Siletto on Daylight, really nice. Um, but yeah, it's just a really good project, really nice um, neo boom bappy um, hip hop project. Um, definitely worth getting into. And on top of that, we have uh, Beneficence and Jazz Spastics as well with uh, Summer Night Sessions, uh, which Jazz Spastics, um, I really enjoy their production as well. One of my favorites. I love Camera Sound from a few years ago. Put that on my album list. Uh, Beneficence is solid as well. I remember listening to that uh, one album he had with someone else. I think it was called Confidence, Beneficence and Confidence. And, um, yeah, it's just uh, more of the same here. You know, Doodlebug, Sky Zoo, Raka Aura Science, J-Live, Elder Sensei, Kid Abstract. There's just some really good names on here. Really good um, production all around. Love the interludes as well, just to let um, JS um, do their thing as well, <coughs> production-wise. And just top tier, really top tier hip-hop right there. Joy Oladukun. Um, spelled O-L-A-D-O-K-U-N. Uh, Proof of Life. Um, I don't know why I'm just tripping into these uh, black indie projects, but I'm just tripping into these black indie projects. Um, this is just really nice to listen to. Really serene. Um, great subject matter. Um, great features, actually, as well. Chris Stapleton, uh, Mount Joy, Maxo Cream on Revolution. Very interesting feature there. Um, and it just, yeah, it's just all on these, you know, indie 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 production and she's just singing really nice songwriting it's the first time i've spun her 
Um, and yeah, it's just a really serene listen, really nice listen. And um, I love uh, We're All Gonna Die near the end. Uh, the penultimate track's just a just really, really, f- <laughs> just really interesting track and just a really interesting album to listen to. Uh, Naomi Sharon, Obsidian. Um, an OVO sound release. Oh, gosh. Didn't realize they still existed, oh, did they? Can't believe it. Um, but in all seriousness, Drake's Naomi influence. Sharon. Is I uh, know right. Um, does does Drake even drop via his own label? Just just a random question. I, I don't know. Who knows? Um, Who but knows? like I care. But anyway, um, it, I just find that interesting. If he actually doesn't, it's just like you have your own label, but you don't drop via it anyway. Um, Naomi Sharon. Um, yeah, just really brooding, really moody. Um, R and B here, contemporary R and B. Um, nice songwriting. I love her voice. Really good voice. Um. Uh, only a couple of features in No Marley and Bone Knox at the end in the outro. That's pretty short. Um, but yeah, she just um, dominates this and really just, you know, puts her foot in it. And, uh, so, and you know, the beats change. It, it might be moody and brooding for the entirety. But, you know, sometimes it dips into like Afrobeat and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it, it puts in some effort on that front. Um, so I really started work there. Um, Cass is dead. Famous last words. Um, my sister actually put me on Cass is dead only a couple of weeks ago, and then he just dropped an album now, and I was like, oh, good, great fucking timing, right? Um, but yeah, um, I find the production is really fucking interesting. I feel um, I just didn't really expect a hip hop project to have to also go into the eighties pastiche um, and just be synth heavy and all that stuff, and it was really and it really fucking hit like the world build on here is really nice. The concept build is really nice. Um, Nearer to the end, it gets better for me. Um, I feel like, you know, the stakes kind of rise overall in terms of, like, the storyline, the loose storyline than there is. Um, But I feel like nearer to the, you know, start in the middle, I feel lyrically it's kind of the same a lot of the time, where he's just talking about, in certain ways, how he's driving a car, um, how he's with this chick... And I don't know if it's the same chick or different chicks, but it's just, I don't know, it just feels a little bit um, samey a lot of the time in terms of just um, what he's actually saying. Um, but the production saves it um, um, overall and just makes it reasonably enjoyable. Um, I think it's a tad too long. I think it just sits in sits in, uh, sits in near an hour, um, 57 and a half minutes. Um, I feel like it could have been, you know, five, ten minutes shorter, but... Um, yeah, the world build. Damn, just the world is great. I love the. It just. It just really. It reminds me of the show that I didn't like, but I really liked the look of. Um, called Jungle. Um, I think it's on Amazon Prime Video, and it's um, it's a British show. Um, and I met one of the actors in it actually. Um, a few a few months ago, and um, it was really the visuals are great, right? It was like London, but like cyberpunk, right? And you can imagine that. Um, but <laughs> the content was just so. Ugh, just not great, just not great at all. But I feel like Cass is Dead just really makes that world um, in music form, and I just really fuck with that, so um, shout out to him on that. And lastly, um, VV Brown. Uh, am I British yet? Um, I haven't listened to VV Brown before. She's been around for a while. Um, her first project dropped in 09, um, and uh, Travelling Like the Light was that uh, name of that album. And, um, yeah, I feel like... Clearly, she's just gone through some form of journey musically. Um, even looking at her um, uh, album covers, they're just wildly different um, in just in every way. And this one's kind of just uh, weirdly haunting. It just uh, it looks really it looks really weird. Just a really absurdly dark skinned uh, woman in front of a 
uh, British bunting, and it's just, yeah, it's just a bit odd. Um, but yeah, even the titles of the tracks, Marginalized, I'll Always Be Black, Black British, Philosophy, Am I British Yet? Uh, Go Back, <laughs> Jamaica History, Swallowing My Pride. Like, it's, it's, there is a lot of subject matter in here, and it really is um, put forward very nicely. Um, I feel like a lot of the times the hooks kind of carry songs, you know what I mean? It just feels like there was an idea to do something and they just had the hook and that was kind of in, it just carried it. And, you know, the hooks are good, you know, they're punchy, they got the, they do the job. Um, you know, some solid features in here as well. Um, and most of them are just via um, kind of just like some spoken word thing and interlude things here and there. Um, so Jerome, I'll always be black was really nice. I like that. Um, Am I British yet? With Liam Bailey was very fascinating. Um, right into No Fear also with Liam Bailey was really good. Uh, Ron Freighter on Jamaica was interesting. You know, it's 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 a it's a fascinating album on subject matter, but I feel like as songs sometimes they kind of fell a little bit short for me. Um, but hey, I'm always here for you know. Um, black British people making black British music and talking about black British life and you know a lot of these things apply um, uh, on the face um, so shout out to Vivi Brown on that one and also very fucking long I think it was like um, it's like yeah it's hour and three minutes long last long last fucking album but here we are and with that said with 25 minutes in and let's jump right into our final uk bhm funny enough nice segue final uk bhm um uh retrospective for the month of october on halloween of all days um we are doing uh hijack uh which is the late late 80s um hip-hop group um and i feel like you know then getting started i feel like um there's a there's a there's a through line here. I feel like we've made inadvertently um, through through these um, retrospectives that we've done, especially this uh, this year, um, is that a lot of these artists were hoping to make it into the US and just didn't. Um, <laughs> Derek B, So Solid, Lisa Mafia, Hijack, um, in some ways Black Twang as well, um, but Black Twang didn't even make it to you know dropping a first album at one point so he was obviously you know put back um to even even he did even attempt to make it to the us i don't really think he did that hard but for the others definitely there was an attempt and um hijack is no different um you know so it's a group that um just got in there um made the contacts um got the attention of the likes of ist and others and made an attempt and didn't happen for I feel the powers that be uh, just screwed them over on this front um but yeah so for interesting through line I just wanted to throw out there as I was listening to this I was just like damn these are all of these people really tried to make it to the US and I just didn't really um because you know like I like like we said before when we're doing these shows we don't actually you know we, I just, I just give Ben artists. <laughs> I just give Ben like, all right, we've got five, five weeks during October. Here's, your, here's the artist. Let's do it. I didn't think there would be a, a really solid through line through most of these, and um, I feel like making it to the US and inevitably failing is a very significant one for all of these. But um, yeah, that said, Ben, let's get into hijack. 
No, I fully agree. Actually, I was going to start in the exact same place because, you know, it's really is fascinating going back in time uh, with some of these UK hip hop acts and watching the local sound develop over a period of nearly 20 years. And, you know, the pioneering acts of the 1980s who carved out a commercial lane by Americanizing their sound. So the pioneering acts of the mid 90s and mid 2000s who ensured that the local scene was big enough to sustain itself commercially because that's a big thing, you know. The reason you might be sitting at home just being like, well, why the fuck are they rapping in an American accent or why are they trying to make it in America? It's the same thing in Australia at the moment. It, the Australian scene is not large enough to sustain a large number of artists who are only successful locally. It's just not feasible. So you do have to have some success overseas and especially in 1980s in Britain, uh, the local hip-hop scene was just not big enough to incorporate all these acts and make sure that they were all earning enough money so that they could live. And, you know, that's very important. So these these artists are very pioneering. They're, they're essential in the, the story of UK hip-hop. And Hijack, they should sit comfortably within that space. You know, Ice-T signed them to Rhyme Syndicate, who they produced their 1991 debut album, uh, The Bad Man is Robin, and immediately... As I was listening to it, I thought I was listening to the Beastie Boys or Public Enemy. Like, it felt like it came out in New York in the mid-80s. But their album never dropped in the US. They made a New York album with a song about Brixton on it, and the audience most likely to connect with it never got to hear it. Instead, the group disbanded shortly after, only for their debut albums to become pioneering in the Brickcore subgenre within the group. Like, it's, it's mad. It's, it's crazy. It's a really odd story. And that's it's even before you get to Big Daddy Kane nearly throwing hands with them in 2023, which we will get to. It's a very weird story. But the formation of the group is actually quite interesting. So Rock the Bells did a great piece and traced their origin back to the sound system circuit that emerged in London in the early 1980s. That's actually not a term I'd ever come across before. In all the years of us doing this podcast, I'd never heard of the sound system circuit. There's actually a brilliant piece in DJ Mag by uh, Rai Halton tracking the DJ culture through the decades in the UK and labeled it as pivotal in developing the diversity in the UK sound. And I do think that's something the UK had that the US did not in 1980s in hip hop variety. Rappers were not wedded to a coast or a sound and they incorporated everything into their music. Now, all the information I'm about to read is uh, taken from the Rock the Bells piece. I'm not gonna like directly quote it. Um, so DJ Supreme was inspired to become a DJ when he connected with Cosmic Jam, a legendary London DJ from this era. Now DJ Supreme became so enmeshed in the scene, he actually formed his own DJ crew in 1986, and he ended up battling DJ Undercover in his bedroom. Now DJ Undercover joined DJ Supreme's DJing trio and convinced Supreme to allow Kamachi Slyer onto the team. So Supreme called him a mic man, that's what he was, uh, he was a rapper, and Supreme ended up scrapping the idea of bringing on a third DJ and the group became a trio. Now, Rock the Bells heavily insinuates this was the core trio. Um, you know, this was kind of the essential hijack in the full lineup, which included Ulysses and Agents Fritz and Cluoso, Clu, Cluso, sorry, Cluso. Uh, they were merely the expanded version of the group. So their ascent was incredibly swift. Hijack were booked to play a Tim Westwood party. This led to them being signed by Music of Life, a UK dance label for whom Derek B was actually working as an A&R. Uh, it was a short leap to their first song, Star Wars, which dropped in 1988. Now, uh, DJ Supreme said it was very rushed and underdone, but the song still took off. It wasn't their big break yet, so DJ Supreme said about crafting something that would, as in his own words, basically tear the asshole out of hip-hop. 
which I've never heard anyone say before. I don't think that sentence has ever been said before in human history. They dropped Hold No Hostage in 1989, and it featured a much faster and harder edge sound, and they really drove the energy home on that track. So thanks to DJ Undercover's connection to Tim Westwood, the song was actually played on the radio, with Tim Westwood himself so impressed with the track, he took it to Ice-T. Now I want to read this section from the Rock the Bells piece about their meeting. DJ Supreme recalls hearing Ice-T's impressed reaction to the song after Westwood spun it for him. The next day, Supreme received a call to meet up with Ice-T at London's WAG Club. Ice had the rock chain with the pistol on the end of it. The Kangol looked very confident and he was basically selling us America, remember Supreme. He was like, yo, you guys are going to take over the world. He saw us as the UK equivalent of public enemy. He saw straight away that this could go outside the UK and be bigger and broader. And it's, you know, there's not much else for me to say. It was a very, very fast descent. And then they started recording their debut album, The Horns of Jericho, which, yeah, Charlie, if you yeah, want to you talk about that. You don't say Public Enemy. Fuck me. Like, the only thing that was missing through this album to be just a full on Public Enemy, like, I, I don't want to be derogatory, but like, <laughs> just, just, like, just. Not even tribute act because I feel like they weren't even doing the political shit that hard, but they just they were just missing some flavor flavor type ad libs. Uh, they just needed some yeah, like, they just needed some some of those. Like a lot of the cadence, especially here, just screams Chuck D, and it's really weird. It's so it's jarring. Weird. <laughs> I'm just like, why, why? Hey, I I I didn't realize like anybody tried to sound like Chuck D ever. I thought Chuck D was just like the most original and everyone was just like, no, we're not going to touch that because nobody can sound like Chuck D. It's just, it's it's absurd. Um, but there you go. Horns of Jericho, they tried. And, uh, you know, attempting to sound like him is um, forgivable, um, I guess, because the album's not bad. I don't actually mind it too much. I feel like it's a very solid listen. Um, I really enjoy pretty much most of it um i'm not really none of it kind of you know offends me in any way um apart from just the brazen attempt to sound like chuck d half the time um but yeah daddy rich was a really good track i I genuinely enjoy it um you know i like the vocals in the in 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 the the hook uh that i tried to you know attempt as well in the intro um really like that um syndicate out of jail back to brixton um really solid track hijack the terrorist group is um very interesting track where i feel like um, that would just to scare a lot of the white people at the time um just like the scare the white people track gotta have that gotta have that gotta tick that box um brother versus brother is a very you know kind of serious track in terms of just you know why are we kidding each other um and i feel like they handle it in a very uh charismatic way um, the bad man is Robin, just good wordplay, that's fun, I like that, it's really fun, um, I don't know why there's a part two to Danny Rich, um, since he died in the first one, um, but hey, you listen to Danny Rich technically twice, so, um, not gonna complain too much about that, um, I don't mind the production either, I feel like the production's, you know, very solid for the time, um, you know, in the, um, well, early 90s, right, um, you know, dropped in 91 um technically so you know that's a pretty you know for for an album in 91 pretty solid in my eyes i can't complain about that um age pretty well i don't mind it honestly it's a really solid piece of work and um 
it's a <laughs> another through line. It's a shame they say one fucking album. To be completely honest with you, like I see, um, you know, I see the likes of you know the Four Hours, for example, right, which is a contemporary UK hip hop group. And there's not many of them. Let's just say, right, there's not many UK hip hop groups out there, right. Um, but I was, you know, I was trying to think of some in some, um, and the Four Hours definitely came to mind for me. And um, you know, I feel like there's a there's a there's a market for it, right? There's a market for it. Um, I don't know if there was a market for it in the in the in the UK in the nineties, but then again, uh, there there wasn't much, you know, to action. There wasn't much like you know uh, competition, I guess, right? Um, but with that said, there probably wasn't much of a market, and you know, that's probably the question that people come across, uh, or the pe- the question that people think about. When it comes to uh, why are all of these UK artists trying to hit the US so much, because there's an audience there, because there's a guaranteed market there. There's not the you know that's the that's the answer I come come out with when when it comes to these. Like the, the, there's a reason why they go to the US because there ain't much of a market in the UK for them. They just try and branch out, and you know that's fine. Um, you know these guys um, branched out to Europe as well, um, as, as well. So that's that's cool, right? Um, there's a there's definitely a market of um, hip hop in in Europe now. Um, again, don't know about the Europe market in the '90s, but I'm sure there was. In the likes of um, Germany or France, right? Um, I'm sure there was a couple of countries uh, that were into it, and definitely more countries that are into it now. Um, and yeah, I just uh, you know it's again very disappointing that it's only there for only their one and only album because um, as Compared to you know the Derek B album, uh, I I prefer this right. I feel like it it it, it, it was um it uh, really that's interesting. I th- yeah oh yeah 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 um I yeah. Like and I, I, that's just my general taste. Um, I'm more into. I feel like the Derek B album kind of went for MC Hammer, where this one kind of went for um I think like you know early nineties kind of like uh. Uh, well, Public Enemy, like Yo Bum Rush to show Public Enemy, you know, um, early Public Enemy, and um, you know, I feel like you know, for, for for who they were uh, trying to mask over um, or trying to trying to be inspired from, um, you know, I prefer that to 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 the likes of Derek B and what they what he was trying to do um, sonically. But yeah, man, disappointing us at first because um, I think it was a really solid listen. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting story. So the scene was set. The Horns of Jericho was about to drop in the US, featuring the UK's take on Public Enemy. That's Ice T's the actual description. They were on the cusp of potentially being UK's biggest rap export of all time at the time. But the album did not drop in the US, which is like you got to think about how mental that is. Like you've clearly created an album that you want to succeed in the US. It is mimicking Public Enemy. It is just like geared straight to the US, and it does not drop in the US. It drops everywhere else, but not in the US. So I'm gonna read this section from Rock the Bells. Anticipation for the Horns of Jericho was high. But what followed was an extended period of radio silence. DJ Supreme remembers the cop killer controversy halting Hijack's rise, referring to the anti-police brutality song Ice-T wrote for his heavy metal band Body Count. Ice-T was getting really pressured by the government in the United States, and the president got involved. Uh, This is DJ Supreme talking. He says of the backlash to the track. So basically, we had to leave his label... uh, 
close Rhyme Syndicate records, and that's where we got caught up. He adds that Ice-T took steps to ensure that Rhyme Syndicate roster secured record deals elsewhere. So Ice-T, you know, helped him out. Uh, DJ Supreme said Ice basically provided a safety net while he was going through his stuff with the government. That's what delayed us. Now, Hijack ended up on Warner Brothers, and DJ Supreme said... uh, they didn't know what to do with us. They listened to the album at like, what the hell is this? Is it even hip hop? Anyway, it's just like, that's just stupid. The Horns of Jericho, and I'm continuing to read the, the Rock the Bells piece. The Horns of Jericho was granted a release in 1991 in Europe, but not in the United States. The decision destroyed Hijack's ambitions of becoming recognized as UK hip hop trailblazers in the culture's motherland. So that so stupidly typical of a major label at the time totally oblivious to not even change or progression because it wasn't really that i mean this as charlie said the sound is just like when you listen to this album if you do put it on you're gonna be a bit perplexed you're like is this a uk album like it just it just straight up sounds like new york from mid 80s so it wasn't even change or progression that they were they were stopping it was just like I don't really understand, man. It was, it was really stupid. So the album only dropped in Europe, not in the market their sound was actually tailored for. Now, Ice-T told Rock the Bells his understanding was the album didn't sell enough records in Britain to justify it being sold in the US. Ice-T states that he has no idea what that number was, just that it wasn't enough for Warner to see a return on their investment. So the album, you know, it wasn't just a straight knockoff of Public Enemy, even if the sound did straight throw you into their discography because the lyrical content tracked a lot of local topics and deeper existential issues like equality. There's some brilliant storytelling. Um, I think it's a really decent record. I, I don't know enough about the US scene in the late 80s to tell if this would have struck, but it's adept enough that I think if it were marketed correctly, I don't see why it would fail in the US. And, you know, they came complete with the anti-industry aesthetic that was still in vogue during this time. The terrorist group imagery came about because of their name, Hijack, which according to DJ Supreme, you know, evokes images of rebel forces, airplane hijackers and terrorists. These are all his words as seen in newspapers and movies. DJ Supreme also reflected that the album might not have even struck in the, in the US just for how different the group was from everything else dropping in the mainstream. It was a minor hit in the UK, the album, uh, and it really did help to propel the album and the name recognition of the group, but that decision to market the album in Europe rather than the US, it destroyed the group. That's just how it was. Like It completely destroyed the group. DJ Supreme told an interview with UK Hip Hop this. He said... I'd said earlier that Warner did not release our album in the US for economic reasons. When this happened, it was pretty clear to us that Warner believed our unique brand of hip-hop would not sell in the US. The realization of this affected everyone in different ways. My feeling was, we got this far being unique, it's just a matter of time before the US caught on, and if not, who needs them? K-Slight and Undercover were of the opinion that we needed the US market, and if our music was a problem, then we should adapt. In other words, jump on the US bandwagon. They were adamant this was the only way forward for Hijack, but compromising was something I was not willing to do. This basically brought about the end. And that's a very simple narrative. And here's what Rock the Bell said about this period. They wrote, During the period when Hijack were in record release Limbo, the group understandably began to fray over creative differences. DJ Supreme remembers trying to remix and revamp some of the album tracks to keep them sounding fresh while the album was held back. 
He said he always had total faith in Hijack's hardcore manifesto, even though by 1991, hip-hop's sound and image was starting to change. Internal discussions took place about whether Hijack should be moving in a less intense direction. We should be making records like Naughty by Nature. That's the discussion going on, Suprema calls. And in the end, the group reached a fracture point. So Ice-T, in the same article, he just reflected back, and he simply said they got caught up in label bullshit. I can see the dilemma in that situation. You know, it's it's an interesting thing to talk about because their debut did drop in the UK and Europe, and obviously it wasn't successful enough for the group to feel it would sustain them financially. Even DJ Supreme, who refused to switch up the sound, admitted that the US market was important for them to capture. They were they weren't they weren't deciding whether they wanted to capture the US market or not. They were just deciding how best to do it. If they gave in and compromised their sound, they'd likely lose their European fans. So it'd be a gamble. But more of a gamble, I think, is sticking to a sound that already failed to work and hoping someone else sees a vision. Because this was the bind that artists were in during this period, literally making creative decisions based on finances, is why so many British artists referenced Derek B as a pioneer because he made a career in hip-hop seem possible for a lot of UK artists who might not have seen the path before. I mean, we've mentioned it many times about Roxanne Chante and how many female rappers just like say they saw her blowing the fuck up and they're like, oh shit, we can make money out of this. And people said about LL all the time, you know, they saw LL Cool J on TV with the big chains and the cars and the fashion and they're like, shit, we can make money from this. So it's a very, very important thing. And, you know, sadly, the dilemma broke the group up. Uh, DJ Supreme reflected upon the way their career fizzled out after that, telling UK hip hop, right now, UK hip hop hasn't got a leg to stand on and no one's going to hand out wheelchairs to support it until the right group slash artist comes along with the winning sound, image and show and hits it big. No one's going to pay the UK any attention. That was in 2001. That was a decade after Hijack. And, you know, I'm not... We've done a lot of UK hip-hop. I think this is our fourth year doing it now, maybe third year. So we've done a lot of acts. I don't know enough about the scene to say in 2001 if that was true, but it does kind of feel true. I feel like in the, it wasn't until the mid-2000s that America really started to pay attention. But from there, I'll talk about that later. But, like, the group went their separate ways after this. Uh, K Sly became Unknown MC, and actually, alongside Pied Piper, had a number one song on the UK singles chart in 2001. But then, we get to the real goss of the episode. Why did Big Daddy Kane attempt to fight Hijack on stage? So, I don't know what to do about this song. I'm interested. I didn't know about it either until I Googled it. I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck is this? So anyway, it was the 26th of August, 2023. So it was not long ago. It was two months ago, right? Big Daddy Kane was headlining a Hip Hop 50 show at O2 Forum. K-Sly yeah, decided. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. So K-Sly oh, you know, decided. Fuck, you missed it. You, you missed out on UK Hip Hop history. Imagine that. You could have had like a first-hand retell. Anyway, it, it, it matters or not. I will try to retell. I was not there. If you were there and and you saw it, please DM me. I'd be very curious to see what it was like. So K-Sly decided mid-performance to wander on stage and stand in front of the crowd in a mask. Now, apparently, Big Daddy Kane was at first okay with this behavior, but he quickly drew, grew agitated, saying, I need the stage. You're doing too much. K-Sly had no intention of leaving. In fact, he appeared to have a message for Big Daddy Kane. Now, he delivered that message, um, after Big Daddy Kane's security tries and fails to remove him. 
So Case like confronts Big Daddy Kane, says something to him. We do know do not know what was said, but Big Daddy's Kane response was Big Daddy Kane's response, sorry, was simply, that ain't my fucking problem. So clearly Case Lai had something to say that Big Daddy Kane was just like, I don't give a fuck about that. Like this has not got anything to do with me. I don't know what it was. Case Lai was undeterred. He continues to antagonize Big Daddy Kane, prompting the Brooklyn legend to start removing items of clothing that might hold him back in a physical altercation. This was a boundary that security were not comfortable crossing and they descended upon the situation to kind of end it calmly and dissipate it. Now, there's a lot of speculation on the internet about why Hijack decided to act in this manner. They were performing at the show as well. Uh, assumedly, they were on after Big Daddy Kane because concertgoers said Hijack hadn't performed yet when the incident occurred. So whatever the reasoning, it created a weird callback for the group, arguably their biggest splash in mainstream US hip-hop, was when they nearly came to blows with Big Daddy Kane, which is very, very silly. Like, it's very ironic. DJ Supreme told Rock the Bells uh, this about how... Oh, sorry, that's the, that's the... That's not related to that. I'm curious, Charlie, how you feel about that. Like, that's such a weird... What what could K-Slight have possibly needed to say to Big Daddy Kane? Like, it's just an odd thing to do, I think. I've... I have I have no idea. I just I uh, I feel like uh, there's a set there's a set list and everyone knows when they're coming up. So I, I don't know if it was like some maybe maybe some cross wires on who was gonna go next or whatever. But I don't know, man. It just seem it just seems very uh, just random and kind of pointless to just be like um, you know you're on stage, but. You know, it's this time. It was it this time you have to be off when they were just on for too long, or what? I, I don't know. It's just really odd. But yeah, um, yeah. Same call out. Same call out as as you. Honestly, I just I, I kind of want to know if anybody was there and if they if they if they were, what's up? Because um, yeah, it's just a, that's a really odd one uh, to be honest. Yeah, it's mental. It's mental. And so you know that comes to the conclusion uh, and their legacy. So DJ Supreme was speaking to Rock the Bells about how he feels Hijack's legacy should be told. And he said, uh, to be talking about what we did 30, 30 years since it was done, it's mission accomplished. I want my name next to Ice-T, next to Marley Marl. I want to be mentioned in the books. Uh, to have Cuba and Beat Junkies saying you were influential on the West Coast DJ scene. To have Public Enemy know who you are and rap over your beats on tour. That's it. The album came out with a lackluster release only in Europe and Americans didn't know us, but they were listening to us on tapes. Cubert tells me that they could only get the album on tapes or bootlegs, so somehow the sound could not be suppressed. And I do think that that's a nice way to reflect on the career. Um, despite all the label bullshit that tore them apart, their music was still being heard in the US, which was a testament to the quality. But yeah, it's a very odd story. You know, I, I, I feel like the more that we get into these UK uh, Black History Months, um, we're going to, you know, go down these paths more and more and find these more obscure artists who maybe only release one album or maybe only a single or, but the stories are really interesting because these are just false starts and you can see how, I don't know what the right way to say it is. Like I went to South by Southwest, right? Everyone's trying to connect with everyone else. Everyone's just trying to network. They're trying to find the person who's going to unlock a new market for them or a new level of 
engagement or a new level of clout or more money or whatever. Like that's all it is. It's not about the quality. I tweeted on Hip Hop Numbers too a couple of days ago. It's not about content. It's about your algorithm. And I have a lot of people who are very successful in my DMs and we're talking about the algorithm. That's all we're talking. We're not talking about content. We're not like, oh, we should be saying this or let's talk about this or this is really interesting. We're just like, okay, you've got to tweet at this specific time. You've got to reply to this many people. You've got to retweet this often. You've got to do that. That's all it fucking is. And it, it just makes me really sad that we come up against this. All it was was that some dipshit at Warner was like, I don't think this is going to work in the US. And everyone else would be like, have you not listened to the US ever? Like, this literally is the sound of the... What are you talking about? Why would it work in Europe more than the US? It doesn't make sense. Why would you spend your money marketing it in Europe over spending it in the US? The only way it's going to succeed, like, enough to sustain itself is the US. There's nowhere else it's going to... So anyway, I just... I think it's silly. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad. It's an interesting story, but, like... I don't know, man. It's just... Yeah, it makes me sad. Yeah, and, um, you know, I know they kind of also broke up because of great grave differences but um I, I just uh i don't know man i feel like maybe maybe the question after the fact was what is our sound if it you know because you can you can start you can start everyone starts somewhere right and everyone starts with you know who's my favorite and you know i kind of and everyone just you know patterns patterns their music after certain people right is it is what it is um you know funny the funny thing about you know being a creative is that you know nothing you do is original nothing you do ha- ha- what you've done what you're going to do is probably been done before in some fashion you just did it in your own way and obviously you know the the personal stamp here was that they were british um and they talked about brixton even though they were rapping over something that sounds like bu- yo bum rush the show um and that's it that's 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 cool that can that can work i can believe that i can believe that working um but obviously one dude didn't see it working but then after that what do you have um when you know the sound of yo bum rush a show is not the zeitgeist anymore what are you what do you do after that um so i'm i was i'm hypothetically wondering just uh what the creative differences were were they just like okay let's try and do let's try and follow whatever has been done or do we try and make it more uk i i don't know i obviously don't have the answers there but um you know they broke up because of it or partly because of it and um yeah is what it is but yeah i echo your sentiment on just like the the obscurity we're, (laughs) we're like slowly just diving into now where it's just like it's it's just getting a little bit murky here, man. And I'm just like, who the fuck yeah. are these people? And then like, you it's get into it. It's like, oh right, they actually have, you know, they actually have catalog, and or at least they have an interesting story behind them. Um, so yeah, man, shout out to Hijack, man. Really solid piece of album. Um, for for the for the early '90s, and you know, beefing with Big Daddy Kane, apparently. Who 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 knew? Or tussling with Big Daddy Kane, who knew? It's mental. Outstanding. God damn. All right, <laughs> we'll leave it there. And up to a light note if you have anything, Ben. What? Why on the keyboard is there a little like nodule under the F and the J? Does yours have that? Oh, you're in a laptop. I got like a desktop. Uh, well, okay, so that. it's it's to give you an indication of where to start touch typing. So, 
um, where you're in, in, in quote-unquote the right way to type. Um, you're supposed to have your index fingers on the on the F and the J, and then oh, your yeah, correspond and then your corresponding fingers obviously next to them, right? So that's just that's just a I think it's just a marker of like where to begin uh, when you're typing and where you're supposed to rest your fingers. Um, so you're supposed to rest your index fingers on the F and the J, and then obviously you know pinky finger left pinky on the A, and then right pinky on the semicolon and then you're supposed to be touch typing, and that's how to touch type. So there you go. One, the well, one IT lesson I remember from when I was like seven, <laughs> Damn, learning man, how to touch deep. type. I don't even that's touch type deep. like that. I type uh, sometimes. I type one-handed, and I feel I, I, I'm sure it's not faster, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't actually touch type in that way. I don't know. I don't know how I do it, but everyone has their own right, way, right? And um, I feel like you know I can. I feel like my hand moves a lot in some ways. Like I'm trying to like move it to the shift button when I know it's coming. I'm gonna be like, oh, no, I'm gonna do that. So let me shift my ha- left hand, and then my right hand's taken over half the keyboard. It's a weird thing, but yes, answering your question, it's just a uh, a marker for where to start touch typing. Interesting. I did not know that. I learned how to touch type in the uh, with the old MSN Messenger days. Yeah. Because we just all we ever did was because text message cost money when we were younger. Mm. Like you couldn't text each other. That was twenty five cents. So you get on MSN and like you get on at three thirty and then you get off at eleven thirty and then you do that every single day and just talk to people that you'd spend all day with. It was fucking glorious. We had a we had a room like an IT room, just one solitary IT room, and it was just like super dark, and it had it just had this kind of like auditorium vibe, but just really small. Um, and yeah, I, I was in primary school, so I was under the age of like you know twelve, definitely. And um, it was just really kind of interesting going into there because it just uh, in my, in my mind it felt. If it felt large, but I'm sure if I go there now, it's just like incredibly fucking small. Um, and I do wonder if they still have it. Actually, um, it was just a really odd room to just have in a, 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 re- a you know, just a classic primary school where you know there's classrooms about, and then there's just this dark room with uh, with with nineties uh, era computers in there. Um, so <laughs> I do I do wonder if they've like you know refreshed it in any way. I'm, I'm hope- hopefully the you saying using fucking uh windows uh windows uh fucking 98 or whatever Win- windows me <laughs> <Yeah>, windows me <laughs> i feel like using windows me uh these days and uh switching up a little bit um uh, but yeah man um yeah touch typing shout out to touch typing man um i'm not i'm not great i'm not the fastest typer in the world to be honest um as a writer i feel like i could be more efficient i actually have a i have an external keyboard that i bought like years ago and I was quickly realizing that I was typing like slower, so I was just like, "All right, fucking, let me just use my laptop." And <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. I thought That's an external weird. keyboard would like make my life much easier, but um, apparently, it, apparently, it didn't. Um, but yeah, you're probably just used to typing on. I can't. I struggle to type on laptop keyboard because my hands keep getting on the fucking touchpad, and so then I'm like moving the oh, cursor I've, around. Like, I've, oh man, I ki- I've killed mine. Um, I can I can um take mine off like as a function, just turn off the touchpad. Mm. So That's I have no idea. issue with that. And just have an external my uh, mouse next to me, so that makes life so much fucking easier. And there's just no mouse movement, and it's like the touchpad is just it's just wasted space at this point <laughs> to be completely honest. Cause I barely fucking use it. Um, and then again, my screen's fucked, hence why I have an external monitor now. So 
Yeah, man, this laptop's a bit weird. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure the touchpad still works. Remember when laptops? Remember when laptops had the little like nodule in the middle of the keyboard that you'd like? It was like a little little ball yeah, thing, and uh, you just press it yeah, and move it. And yeah, that's how you moved was, it. Uh, I, was, I was not into those. I think like old. It was like a those little. Are, those were like for business yeah, laptops, weren't they? And I think um, ThinkPad still use them. Like the red one they yeah. have on the Lenovo ThinkPads. I've never understood it. Um, I found I found that a bit little clitoris in the middle of your keyboard. I just, it's I just crazy. found it weird. I was like, why do business people like like why do business people want, need this? And not just a regular person. And does anybody need it? Is the, is the question on top of that probably should be the first question. It's a really odd one. But uh, yeah, anyway, I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There you go, man. Yeah. Um, there you go. If you tuned in to listen to Hijack and you heard some some touch typing knowledge from Charlie, some deep yeah, knowledge. Yeah, no, I, just, I, 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 was, I was impressed with myself how quickly I, 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 that just came into memory. I was just like, oh yeah, I have the answer to that actually, funny enough. Um, I feel like that was something that I've, uh, yeah, I just didn't realise that I'd know it that quickly. As soon as you said it, I was just like, "Oh, I actually know this." Fuck me. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's for. I don't know if it's, it's for. It's like for blind for the blind as well. Um, maybe because like, like, you know, if you're blind, yeah, you know, if you you can feel it and you know exactly where you are on the keyboard. Um, but um, the only thing that pisses me Absolutely. off about my keyboard is the fact that I have a number pad on the right, and I do not use that. I don't get number pads. I don't understand it. Yeah. I wish... Nah, I need to start, bro. I can't... Look, I'm I'm a great touch type. I'm very quick, but I cannot touch type numbers because I don't know how to use a number Just pad. Use the I'm row doing up it top. up the, the top. I need to top. use a number Just pad. Use that. I, but I don't, I don't know. I don't no, no, use no, no, it. I'm, I'm not saying. good at Just, it. I don't know why. Easy, I feel like it'd be Just, easier. That's, that's, my, that's my gripe. Like I don't need yeah. two sets of numbers. Just give me the row up top because it's going to be there regardless. Because you use it for the speech and for the pound and for the, uh, you know, percentage and yeah, the ampersand true. and the asterisk. It's going to be there anyway. So just use the number yep. row. Like, I'll argue with my boy about it and he's like accounting yeah. guy and he's just like, oh, no, I really need the number pad. I'm like, you don't really, though, do you? You don't need it. You don't need it like that. And I find, and I find it kind of jarring that it's one, two, three, mm-hmm. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It goes like that. I, I don't know. Just. I don't like the I don't like the layout, and it's just it just takes up space. It just it just takes up space in my mind. Um, yeah. Um, come yeah, come for true. come for you come for obscure UK hip hop groups. Stay for um, takes on laptop keyboards. That's what you're here for, ladies and gentlemen. That is what yeah. you come here for. Um, That's it. It's top tier. <laughs> top tier quality. It's, it's top fucking tier. Um, but anyway. We'll leave it there <laughs> for just the sake of another random thing coming to mind. And uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's your final um, UK BHM of the uh, of the month of October. Um, you know, I feel like you know with this and Women's History Month, this always is is pound for pound the most information we learn week week to week on average. Um, because obviously, aside from that, we do eyes that we've, you know, that we're relatively aware of. Um, and, you know, obviously we're getting a bit deeper into the Women's History Month as well as... Um, uh, oh, God, Ready in Five, there you go. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's getting interesting now. <laughs> it's, get, it's, get, it's getting real juicy now. Um, so, yeah, we have uh, we have our five locked in for Women's History Month in... March is it March? I keep forgetting. It's February or March. Um, it's Black History Month in February, March, and then yeah. Women's History in March. So there you go. Um, so yeah, we have our one, two, three, 
four uh, for that month, and I've got like fifteen ready to go. So we're good for a couple of years on that front. Um, but yeah, man, if you got you know this is this is why you're here. Hopefully, don't know right. Why else would you be here if you're not here for just to learn about obscure? Probably just, just for Charlie's voice. Just for voice. my voice that has um, that hasn't got its um, that hasn't got its uh, fuck you Logitech no. for that. By the way, just want to say that. Eat my dick for it's that one. Um, just randomly not having the blue voice. No <laughs> one's gonna <laughs> no, eat your no, dick yeah. now. It sounds shit. Your voice like, sounds why, shit. Why are you doing that to me, Logitech? I don't understand why. Like, I don't know why there was a perfectly normal um, software a few years ago, and now you just um, you got blue to bin it for this, and now it doesn't even come up when I when I turn my mic on. Um, and so yeah, eat your dick for that one. Is what it is. But ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there. From the Fifth End Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoy this episode. And the UK BHM over the month. So, I've been trying to say anything I've been Ben for Pop Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. We don't know what we're doing next week, but you just have to come and find out. <laughs> but until then, until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is piece of video games by bonus points. Thanks to Chill Hot Music for the ability to use. Socials through Federman, Hip Hop by Numbers, bonus points, and Chill Music will be in the full show notes, as well as names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5 EPM production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you next time on Digging in the Digits.